Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. All right, well, we are continuing today in our Christmas series, Come and Behold Him. Jason spoke a powerful message here last week on beholding King Jesus. And he told us the story of the wise men and their journey in pursuit of Jesus. And I actually learned something new last week, that Matthew is the only gospel writer to tell the story of the wise men. And then I also found out this week as I was preparing that Luke is the only gospel writer to tell the story of the shepherds. So that's what we're going to look at today. Um, Just to set it up for you, in Luke chapter 1, we read that the angel Gabriel visits Mary in her hometown of Nazareth to tell her that she would miraculously conceive a child while still a virgin and that she would give birth to a son. She was told to name him Jesus and that he would be called the son of the most high God and he would be the promised king in the line of David whose kingdom would never end. And I love Mary's response when the angel told her this. She responded, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So beautiful. Then we pick up in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you, then you can turn to you. Open up your Bible. Obviously, many of you don't have your Bible with you. So we are going to have the words up on the screen and you can follow along. We're actually going to read 16 verses, but it's important, right? It's important to read the Bible. It's powerful. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and pondered them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The title of my message today is, While Shepherds Watched. Let's pray. 
God, we want to thank you for your presence here with us today. And Lord, I want to thank you for the miracle of Christmas, for this Savior that was born. And I thank you that we don't just get to celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, but it's an everyday reality for us that know you. So God, I thank you for your ever abiding presence. God, I thank you for what you've shown me from scripture this week. And Lord, I just pray for open hearts and open ears. Lord, that you would bring revelation. God, I thank you that you have a treasure in your word today that you want to share with your people. God, even though this is a corporate word, I thank you that you want to speak so individually. So God, we just open up our hearts to receive from you in this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. So is there anybody in the room that has ever played the role of a shepherd in a school nativity? Come on, don't be shy. Oh, I didn't know that. That's very good. I was going to ask Julie. Oh, Matthew, you, are you upon it? Matthew, you were a shepherd too. Did you forget about it? Have you like blacked it out? <laughs> well, I was going to ask Julie because she's a teacher. I don't know if they do this anymore in primary schools, but when I was growing up every year, there was a Christmas play and, and they would act out the nativity. And so my brother, he played a shepherd. So he donned one of my mother's gingham tea towels on his head with some kind of elastic and, and his dressing gown, his bathrobe, and he got to be a shepherd. Well, every year in Melbourne, we lived there for 17 years and every year the local Seventh-day Adventist church would put on this event called the Road to Bethlehem. And it's actually such an incredible event that they released tickets earlier in the year because pretty much everybody in Melbourne knows about it. And it's a live reenactment of the, of the days leading up to the birth of Jesus, culminating in this last scene with the birth of Jesus. And so um, you have to drive out to whoop whoop. It's like, we had to drive like an hour to get out there because they need all this land and they have it all set up. So I've actually, I'm gonna show you some photos of some of these live scenes um on the screen here it was so cool so they will like real people will act out each part of the story and then you get to the end and there's like a real baby and then this screen lights up and there's all these angels singing and it's beautiful i have one other photo to show you and i did not ask permission from my children to do this but i'm sure they'll forgive me go ahead and put this up this is one of my favorite ever photos this is from 2016 Look! <laughs> yes sam and matthew go ahead and take some photos so you will notice that we have six children and our two eldest children are most definitely missing from this photo they were off to the side in extreme embarrassment and horror that their parents would actually dress up and do this but the other children were too young to protest. So look at little angel Isabel. Alex was a king. Our little Care Bear was an angel. And there's our shepherd boy, Ben. And then obviously Mary and Joseph. Unfortunately, that is a doll. I would have been happy to have produced a live child, but Jason cut me off at six. So anyway, we probably need to put the other screen back up now and draw that everybody's gonna be distracted by that beautiful nativity scene. Now, unfortunately, most nativity reenactments don't emphasize why Luke included this story in his particular writings. And we don't really know why, except for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit decided to reveal the birth of Jesus to just a handful of people. And we know that the wise men, they were told, and also the shepherds. 
I actually think that maybe Luke is wanting to highlight the fact that Jesus came for all people and not just the elite because shepherds at that time were considered to be some of the lowest and least respected of the culture. But they were one of the first to hear about the birth of Jesus. Okay, so I'm just going to share a few things from the revelation that I've gotten this week from meditating on, meditating on this passage. So first, we obey well. Before we can obey well, we must hear well. So we read here that there were two groups of people in this passage that heard the message of Jesus and that he was about to be born. There were the shepherds who heard from the angels, and then there were the people in that area that then heard from the shepherds. But Luke tells us that these two groups of people had very different responses. It says the people were amazed, but then it tells us that the shepherd's response was beyond amazement. They went away praising and glorifying God for what they had seen and heard. So it would seem that the people heard, but the shepherds heard well. And their hearing well led to a response. They were told what the sign would be, and so they decided to take a trip and see for themselves. Before we can obey well, we must hear well. I'm sure for all the parents in the room, we can relate to this truth. Maybe even those of us who are married. How many times have we asked our children or maybe our husbands to do something for us and they don't go ahead and do it because they have no idea of what we actually ask them to do in the first place. Maybe that's just in our house, it might just be me, but it seems like there's these sound waves that vibrate in their eardrums, but it doesn't actually register into action. So Isabel, sorry, I'm, there's lots of probably embarrassing things coming up, kids, so just, it's nearly Christmas, so you can indulge me. Isabel has coined this saying in our house recently because Jason, we love him. Sometimes he takes a little bit of a long time to respond to a question or a comment. So sometimes it's two minutes, sometimes it's five minutes. So Isabel calls this getting left unheard. Just like with a text message, people leave you unread. Jason sometimes likes to leave everyone unheard. I actually think it could be an age thing because the kids have just started calling me out for doing it. Whoops. I'm sure every one of us in this room, if, we, if I asked you, do you want to hear God speak to you? I'm sure everybody would raise their hand. But how well are we willing to listen? Are we posturing our hearts in a place of receptivity to be able to hear his voice? I think part of the challenge here is learning how to cultivate faithfulness in the area of reading and studying God's word. This is one of the best ways for God to speak to us. A couple of weeks ago, you might remember I brought a prophetic word around Psalm 37.3 in that God was calling us to dwell in the land in this next season and to cultivate faithfulness. I believe that he's calling us into a season of dwelling and delighting, a season of beholding him. How do we do that? It means we're going to have to set aside time each day to spend time with him. When we open up the scriptures, we're saying, God, I want to hear your voice and I'm here to listen. I think if we say we want to hear God speak to us, but we're not even opening our Bibles, then can we really say that we want him to speak to us? The shepherds were out in the field watching over their sheep when an angel of the Lord appeared to them. I believe that faithfulness in whatever God has called you to do, 
to do will position you to hear his voice. You know, the role of a shepherd, I didn't realize this until this week, but particularly in Middle Eastern regions, it was actually a hands-on full-time job. And so shepherds were actually constantly present with their flock. So they actually, they literally lived with their sheep. And I, I believe God wants to say to you today that he knows exactly where you are and he will find you. He's so faithful. He will come to you maybe when you least expect it as you are busying yourself cultivating faithfulness in your life. I was also reminded of another shepherd boy by the name of David. He didn't even make the cut when Samuel the prophet came looking for the next king. His father, Jesse, lined up all the brothers, minus David, because where was he? He was out in the fields living with the sheep, tending the sheep and cultivating faithfulness. Even his own father had written him off but God had not forgotten about him. Some of you are waiting for a word from the Lord, but let me ask you this. Are you being faithful to do the last thing that he asked you to do? The wise men heard well, but Herod and the people of Jerusalem did not. The shepherds heard well, but the people that the shepherds told did not hear well. Sometimes we may not like the voice of God in the way that it comes to us. God expects us to hear him speak through imperfect and flawed preachers and teachers. Wherever the word is preached, we know that God is speaking because his word is living and active. I think one of our challenges is that in today's culture, we all want to be entertained. But the medium the message is communicated through can't be an excuse for us not to hear well. We all have access to God's word, unlike some people in countries where you know, the Bible, they don't even have access to a Bible or it's forbidden. We have no excuse here in Australia. We've, I can't even count how many Bibles we have on the shelves in our house. We've definitely got more than we need to go around. I believe that God wants to speak to us, but sometimes we want it to come in an extravagant way, like in a prophetic word. And just as we saw earlier, it's so beautiful when God does that, but God can speak to us every single day if we'll spend time, if we'll ask him and then spend time reading our Bible. If we will just commune with him throughout the day, he's always speaking. So what are you doing right now to cultivate hearing God in your everyday life? It's a really great time to put into place some new disciplines if you need to as we start a new year in just a couple of weeks. I love what it says of Mary in this passage. In Luke 2:19, it says, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, some things are just for you. They're just for you and Jesus. They're not to share with the world. They're not to post on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Be Real or whatever other social media platforms are out there. They're just for you. Sometimes God wants us to sit and to mine out the treasure in his word. And that's going to take time. And we live in a world that wants everything instantly. So this is going to be a constant challenge to slow down and meditate on what God wants to say to us. It's better to meditate on one Bible verse and to get revelation than to read a whole passage just to check the Bible reading plan off. And I'm preaching to myself now because I'm almost coming to the end of the year and I've been doing a Bible reading plan and I'm ready to get rid of the plan now and to just 
open up the word and see what God wants to say to me. And then I can almost guarantee by the end of 2024, I'll want to do a Bible reading plan again because I like structure and then I like spontaneity. So it's good to flip flop. You know, when God spoke to me about marrying Jason, I'll save that story for another time, but I did not tell a soul for six months. Like I did not tell another human being. And that's because I knew that this was the second most important decision of my life. And I didn't want to mess it up. Like I had to know that it was the Lord. And I can honestly say still to this day, 22 years later, I have never once doubted my decision to marry him because I waited, I heard from the Lord. And it's just something that the enemy has never tormented me with because I knew I had a word from God to marry him. You know, God spoke to us, Jason shared a couple of months ago about our own building, having our own building by the end of March. So we've been cultivating faithfulness as a church over the last three years, bumping in, bumping out, all the while believing that one day God has a facility for us, our own space for us to occupy. And when God spoke through Pastor Corey, we knew it was time to act. And look what God did. We were still blown away by how he came and met us in such a powerful way and he's provided this seed for the next stage of our journey as a church so please um, keep praying for us that god will lead us to the right place we know that he will he's faithful so before we can obey well we must hear well and following on from this thought hearing well comes easy to those who have a heart to behold him the news of the birth of the Savior was to the shepherds, we're told in this passage, good news of great joy. After they heard, they couldn't wait to go and behold him for themselves. They said to one another, let's go. And then it says they hurried off. One of the primary ways that we behold him is through our worship. There are many ways that we worship him in life. But one of the primary ways is when we do what the angels did in this passage and we gather together corporately to praise him through song. This is just one of the reasons I love gathering together as the church because God's called us to come together and worship him corporately. And there's something that happens in this corporate setting when we join our faith and our hearts together to worship him. And also, as I've alluded to alongside reading the word, worship is so key to hearing God speak to us. Our relationship with the Lord hinges upon this because worship is our only natural response when we have a right understanding of who he is and his nature. It's also why what we sing is really important. But worship isn't just singing together on a Sunday or singing along to worship music during the week, whether that's driving in your car, whether that's uh, cleaning, taking a walk with the dog, all those times are beautiful and good. But the Bible actually talks to us about living a lifestyle of worship. I remember one day when the kids were, the older three were in school and the younger three were very little and they were taking a nap. And so I was taking advantage of the quiet house to catch up on some cleaning. And um, I should have been worshiping. I had worship music on, but I was having a little bit of a whinge, I think because I would rather have been taking a nap. I was feeling a bit tired. and. This song, this song came on, it was actually the radio I was listening to and this song came on and it was all about uh, let everything you do be done to the glory of God. And so here I am mopping and whinging about, 
nobody's even going to notice nobody even says anything when i do mop and when they get up and have their snack they'll probably drop more food on the floor and what's the point and then i heard this and i was like oh wow actually this is an act of worship like is god glorified in my mopping yes he is because i was serving my family and i was being a good steward of all that he'd entrusted to me that's what it means to live a lifestyle of worship you know and we behold the lord in nature so if we behold him in a sunrise or a sunset although i'm usually beholding him in a dream at sunrise i don't think i've seen a sunrise in a long time but when we behold him in a sunset or just in nature our default is to worship him don't you i find when i'm when we go for walks as a family and we see this incredible sunset we start talking about how amazing god is because it draws worship out of us i believe that when we come to him in this way when we come out of delight and not duty and we ask him to reveal himself to us he loves nothing more than to come and meet with us i remember when jason and i were engaged it was only a short period of time that we were engaged but we would spend the evening together and then he would leave to go to the place he was staying and as soon as he left we then like call each other on the phone so we could talk while he was driving home even though we would just spent hours together and then we would hang up the phone because we needed to get ready for bed we'd wash our face push our teeth and then we'd get back on the phone so that we could fall asleep to the sound of each other's voice <laughs> isn't that romantic now i actually fall asleep while he's brushing his teeth <laughs> I still love you just as much more probably but why did we never tire of hearing each other's voice it's because we had a heart to behold one another Mary found it easy to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him because she chose to posture herself in a position to listen and receive we know that Martha on the other hand was busy preparing things for him instead of just being with him beholding him will require slowing down and taking time to be with him. I'll be honest, and for those of you that know me know this, I don't find doing things slowly very rewarding or helpful. If I've got something to do, then I'm on a mission to get it done. So Karis is the only one that will come shopping with me now. The other girls won't come because they say they have to jog <laughs> to keep up with me. But Karis, she's a speed walker. She's He's on my level. I'm, I have to be efficient, people. I have a lot to do. I have a lot going on. Anyway, I learned a very valuable lesson that I would like to share with you because it's the only redeeming factor for the situation <laughs> where I was rushing and I was trying to do too much in a short space of time. So it was a Saturday afternoon and I told our daughter Sophie that I would pick her up from work. So I knew that I needed to pick up some groceries and the boys also, the boys play basketball on a Saturday afternoon. So I was like, okay, I think I've got enough time. I'll run to Woolies, I'll get what I need. I'll go pick Sophie up and then we'll be all good. So as I'm driving to the supermarket, I notice that the petrol light is on, which doesn't really bless me because I was raised by my father to understand that a quarter of a tank is an empty tank because you just don't know what might happen, right? You, we need to be prepared for all occasions, but it's not just my car. I have to share it 
with someone who likes to live on the edge and likes to actually see how far the car can travel with the light on. Anyway, so I'm thinking, okay, there's, I get to Woolies and there's a petrol station right next to us. I'm like, okay, all good. I'll run in and get groceries. I'll quickly get petrol and I'll still get to Sophie on time. So I run in and get my groceries, you know, I'm speed walking, get to the petrol station. I'm like, there's petrol station, there's nobody else there. So I'm like, yes. So, you know, I'm standing there and I'm pumping the gas, petrol. And um, about halfway through filling up, I just, I can't even explain it, but I just had this feeling come over me, like this sick feeling, like something was wrong. So I stopped pumping the petrol and I looked back at the pump and I looked back at the petrol and I actually thought I was going to vomit because I realized that I had just filled up the big van that you've all seen, our beautiful black van that we drive. I had filled it up with about 40 liters of unleaded fuel, which wouldn't be an issue if it was not a diesel only van. $87.10 worth of unleaded petrol. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be late for Sophie. So I ring Jason and he's like, well, I don't know what to do. I've never done that before. And I'm like, okay. I mean, he was very gracious. I will say that he was like, well, he's like, you haven't started it, have you? And I was like, nope. I knew, I knew that would have been even worse than putting the wrong petrol in there. Anyway, so I go inside the petrol station. It's quite a young girl. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I've like just put like the wrong fuel into my van. And I'm thinking she'll be like, oh my gosh, people do that all the time. She just like, he's staring at me and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she was like, I don't know what to do. So I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So I was like, oh my gosh, Steve Cawthon. He's one of my pastors and he used to be a mechanic. So like, I'll call Steve. So I call Steve Saturday afternoon, no answer. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? So in the meantime, Jason messages me and he's like, just call roadside assist. Like they'll be able to help. So I was like, okay. Did I mention I was going to be late to get Sophie? She didn't need to be anywhere, but I like to be on time. Anyway, I call roadside assist and I speak to this man called Adam at UE. He was so kind and helpful. Now, the thing about me also, if you know me, is that I'm a verbal processor. So in that moment, Adam became my therapist. So I'm like, Adam, I can't believe I did this. I feel like such an idiot. And he's like, no, you're not an idiot. It's okay. You'd be surprised how many people do this. And I'm like, well, I thought that, but nobody else is saying that. And I just feel so stupid. He's like, take a deep breath. And then he's like, okay, now would you like me to patch you through to wrong fuel rescue? So then I was like, oh my gosh, there's like a whole company. <laughs> so how could they possibly be in business if people didn't do this? So I started to feel a lot better about myself. And I was like, well, there's a whole company. So I was like, yes, patch me through. So they patch me through and they're like, we're so sorry this has happened to you. We can be there in like five minutes and we'll come and we'll drain the tank and we'll flush it out and we'll dump the fuel for you. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And they were so nice. And he was like, and I was like, so um, would it be okay if I asked how much that's gonna cost? And he was like, listen, we, did I tell you we can come right now and you can be like back on the road in like, might take us half an hour. It's only gonna cost you $550. 
And then also for every liter of the wrong fuel that you put in there, we need to charge you $2 per liter to dump the fuel. So I'm calculating my head, okay, I'll put 40 liters in, that's like another $80. So I'm stressing, I'm like, we don't have that kind of money. Anyway, in the meantime, my amazing husband is texting me, I found a garage around the corner that can sort it out for us and they wanted like $200. So he's like, you haven't started the engine, have you? And I was like, no, 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 I haven't turned the key at all. So I call Adam back and I say, look, we found somewhere a lot cheaper. So he's on the phone with me and he's like, okay, I just need to confirm your location. You're in Willerton. He's like, it's the petrol station next to the thirsty camel. And I was like, oh, that's really good to know. I'll pop over there when I get off the phone with you. I, I didn't, that was a joke. I didn't do that. And then he was like, oh, obviously you've calmed down now because you're making jokes. And so anyway, the whole point of this story is I would not have put the wrong fuel in the car if I had not been in a rush, if I had just slowed down. Now, in my defense, Jason's car takes unleaded fuel and sometimes we swap cars. And so I think that's why I did it. But anyway, it was a bit of an expensive lesson, but I was like, I am gonna use this in a preaching illustration <laughs> one day. And Lord, I hear what you're saying. Cause there were some other things that had happened too where I felt like he was telling me, you just need to slow down. I'm sure you've all heard the saying, slow and steady wins the race. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.24 talks about running to win. And he actually uses running as a metaphor, not literal running, but running the race of life. Well, in the ancient Greco-Roman world, athletic contests, including foot races, were actually well known and highly esteemed. Karis, I reckon we could do pretty well in a foot race. I don't like to run, but I'd love to have a go at speed walking. <laughs> I think that'd be really fun. Like, I've seen it on TV. I think they do it in the Olympics or something. Anyway, Paul talked about that because it was something his audience could relate to at the time. And I actually watched a reel this week on Instagram where someone posed this question and I've been meditating on it all week. He asked this question, he said, are leaders failing today because they're trying to outpace God? And he went on to say this, runners fall, but walkers stumble. Now we, we all know, I'm sure you've probably, you might've done it yourself or you might've witnessed it or seen it on TV. When runners fall, they hit the ground hard. They face plant. But when a walker trips, they can usually avoid falling because of the slower pace that they're going at. Psalm 37, four says, though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. It's pretty hard to hold a runner's hand. You know, we live in a culture that congratulates those who run hard and fast and can seemingly do it all. But we weren't created for that. It's exhausting and it's not sustainable. Solomon, one of the wisest men to have ever lived, said this in Ecclesiastes 9.11, the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. We will have to slow down if we want to behold him. And it's in beholding him that we hear what's on his heart because we've taken the time just to sit with him and to listen. Let me encourage you the next time you need an answer to prayer or you need direction in your life, start with worship. There's something about beholding him 
that positions you in a place to clearly hear from him and what he wants to say to you. Give him his rightful place over every circumstance in your life and just watch how peace and joy will flood your being and he'll speak to you. Hearing well comes easy to those who have a heart to behold him. And finally, when we truly behold him, we'll want to go and tell everyone we can about him. You know, these ordinary shepherds who were outcasts among their people, they were the first to hear of Jesus's birth and to spread the news. They didn't wait until they'd done the purple book or until they'd been trained for ministry. They were just overflowing with joy and praise. And they went out and told people about their experience of hearing the message, seeing the angels and seeing Jesus. When your life has truly been changed by the power of God, you will want to tell others about it. What's your sphere of influence? Where has God called you? Some of you are in the marketplace every day and that's your mission field. I was a stay at home mom for years and I loved it. And I would have loved just hanging out with my kids all day, every day, taking them to the park and just hanging out. But I always got involved with a community play group because I wanted to make friends with people in the community and I wanted to have an opportunity to share, share Jesus with them and just to encourage them like, Motherhood is extremely demanding and it's probably one of the most thankless jobs uh, for a season. And so I just loved being able to encourage other mums. Uh, we've, Jason and I have talked about this, but in this season of leading a church, one of the ways that we like to share the love of God is going to the gym together. And I've noticed even just people are so intense, right, at the gym. Like, and I get it. Sometimes you've got to like get in the zone. But I've noticed that sometimes I'll just smile at somebody and I like, I just see their face soften like, ah, oh, you know, like it's a nice thing to smile at people. And then Jason's talked about how we like to do, so we train together three times a week. Well, Jason trains me. And then we go into the sauna together. And so recently we've had all these opportunities to engage with people in the sauna. And sometimes I'm really convicted because we'll go in there and you know, we're tired sometimes, we've had a hard workout and it's hot, that's the point. And so sometimes people have started talking to us before we've even started talking to them. And I've, Jason and I always comment, it's so easy to start a conversation. And it's actually very strategic when you're in the sauna, because if you're having a conversation, then the time goes by a lot quicker. But, you know, sometimes you just wanna go in there and check out because it's so hot. And actually, I actually, hold on, because I'm gonna trip. Oops. Um, on Friday when we we're in there, I actually did check out and this is so embarrassing, but I, the, Jason and I were in there and there was one other older gentleman in there. And then all of a sudden I just burped. And it's probably because I had a protein shake before we went in there, but I like burped out loud. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, you found it really funny, but I know I'm telling you that, but I actually can't burp on demand, right? Some people like can just do it, like swallow and burp. I've never been able to do that. So the unfortunate thing about that is sometimes it will just come out. One time I was talking to this pastor after a conference and I was talking to him and then I just paused for a minute with my mouth open and this little burp came out. <laughs> it's like, it's actually really embarrassing. Anyway, why did I tell you that? I don't know why. Just wanted to make you laugh, I guess. Anyway, people are desperate for community and connection, even if they don't seem like it. Like everybody wants to belong.
it's funny last week we have so many gym stories there's this guy his name was nathan i remember that because our son's called nathan and we were working out and he comes over and he starts asking about the exercises that we're doing and wanting to know how to do it and i was a bit irritated because i just want you know i was in a rush i just wanted to get it done and i had lots to do that day and I was like, why is he talking to us? Do we look like personal trainers? I mean, Jason definitely does. I think he loves telling me what to do in the gym and I receive it because I don't know what I'm doing. So anyway, it was, I was irritated. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit was like, this is how easy it is. This guy is in here looking for connection and he feels like you're approachable enough to come up and talk to you. So Jason gave him a few pointers and and he's like, oh, are you going to do the sauna after this? And the guy was like, no, I wasn't planning to. And then when we get in the sauna, he comes in there fully clothed in like he's, I mean, we're clothed. That sounded bad. We were, we were, swim. <laughs> he was in like his gym clothes. Like we wear like swim clothes. Cause you know, it's better for when you sweat. Anyway, I need to move on clearly. Did we preach the gospel to him in that moment? No, we did not. But every conversation, every smile, every interaction with someone who does not know Jesus is a seed sown in their life. Don't underestimate it. What about the woman at the well? When Jesus came and spoke to her and had this word of knowledge, it transformed her life that somebody cared that much about her. And then what does it say? It says she she ran off and said, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Everybody wants to be seen. That's why most people post on social media, if they're honest. That's why I do it sometimes. We just want someone to validate us. We want someone to see us and acknowledge what we're going through. So while we're talking about telling everybody we know about Jesus, I just want to speak for a minute about people who do multi-level marketing. Does everybody know what that is? It's a lot bigger in America. Um, and a lot of people do it because they want to make money as a side hustle. And some people are so good at it that it actually becomes their main form of income. And there's a lot of people that do it in America. Well, the only people that I've seen succeed at multi-level marketing is because they possess two things. They possess belief and motivation. They have to believe in the product that they're marketing. They have to love it themselves. And then they have to be motivated enough to want to tell other people about it and also to make money selling it. So some of you know this, I love essential oils. Now you can have your own opinion about it and whether they work or not, I don't really care because they've worked for me. So I've seen it firsthand and I've reaped the benefits of using essential oils. Now, I'm not talking about the ones that you can buy at Kmart people, okay? Kmart is amazing for a lot of things, but not for essential oils. Do not buy your essential oils at Kmart because the ones that I purchase, they have to be pure grade because you can actually use them in recipes and you can ingest them. Please do not ingest any oils that you buy at Kmart or at the shops. I just need to make sure you know that. But here's the deal, I will never sell essential oils as a business. Firstly, because I feel like it would be a conflict of interest for me as a pastor, but also um, I'm happy to tell others about them, but I'm just not a marketer. Like I don't wanna market them and sell them to people. I just want to tell others about them. Now, 
I just want to say this. I'm not an idiot. I know that because Adam from UA, remember, told me I wasn't an idiot. But I also know I'm not an idiot. They can't fix everything, okay? So at the height, I mean, I still use them, but at the height of my using essential oils, my precious son Nathan sent me this meme, which I'm sure you'll all get a good laugh out of. It says, and that's Linda, and that's how Linda learned, for those of you listening, you can't fix your engine with essential oils. Now, I think he sent me this after he had an appendicitis and I was trying to treat his symptoms with oils. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I just told you I'm not an idiot, I know. An appendicitis requires surgery and Nathan had his appendix out, but I think my essential oils did help aid him in his recovery because doctors and oils pair really well together, I'm just saying. Anyway, whatever we're passionate about, how much more passionate should we be for what Jesus has done for us? And I just wanna to say to you today, if you need a fresh encounter, then ask him for one. If you need to revisit the wonder of Jesus coming as a man and dying for our sins when we didn't deserve it and giving us the free gift of eternal life, ask him. Ask him to show you again the wonder of this gift that he's given. And I guarantee once you encounter him, you will want to tell others about it. Here's the thing. If we're not compelled by the love of God, then we won't be compelled to go. Why did I leave my family in the UK and move to America? I loved my family. I didn't want to move away from them. But Jesus spoke to me and said, I'm asking you to go. And I told him, Jesus, I'll go anywhere and I'll do anything for you. And he told me to go, so I went to America, found an amazing man with the same heart as mine. And together we said, Jesus, we'll go anywhere and do anything for you. And he asked us to move to Australia. And he also asked us to be fruitful and multiply. And so we took that literally and spiritually, and we have six beautiful children and we are leading this incredible church that we're so grateful for. Love has to be the motivating factor in everything we do. Jesus said that the two greatest commandments were these, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said to love the Lord your God. If he's Lord, then he gets to call the shots. He gets to tell you what to do. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. So how can we love others if we haven't first experienced the love of God for ourselves. When we truly behold him, we'll want to go and tell everyone we can about him. If I could just have the worship team come back up and join me, please. The shepherds had an encounter with God through angelic visitation. And then after seeing Jesus, they went and told everyone they knew about him. They just felt compelled to go and tell. I actually grew up singing as a child, go tell it on the mountain. I'm not gonna sing it for you now, but we used to sing it in our school assemblies. So I didn't even realize that it was actually a Christmas song. And then after doing some research, I found out that it was actually written based on this passage in Luke that when the shepherds had this um, angelic encounter, they felt compelled to go and tell it on the mountain. Lamentations 3 verse 22 says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord.
You know, here's the thing, human mercy does run out. It gets tired. And I get the fear that some of you probably have sometimes, like, have I, have I gone too far? Like, have I done too much for God to reject me? Or have I pushed this person to such a point that they're going to reject me? I, I've had those moments, even in my marriage, where am I so stubborn and so proud that Jason's going to turn around one day and just be like, all right, I'm done. Like, I've had enough. That's why you need to marry someone who fears the Lord. Because if you marry a man that fears the Lord, then if he makes a covenant with you, he's never going to turn around and say that. This scripture says his mercies never come to an end. That means there is new mercy every single day of your life. There's no other person and no other God that can offer that to you. You know, I understood the love of God on a new level when I had children. Like I, I love all of my kids with all my heart and that will never change ever. Now we have this job list at home that's stuck up on the wall so that we can share around the household responsibilities um, and so that they can help. You know, they get to live in the house. So it's important that, you know, I don't do all the work. Now, when my children need to listen to this, when my children do their assigned jobs without me having to ask them or beg them to do it, I feel so loved. It's like they're just taking responsibility, they're carrying weight, but it doesn't change how much I love them. Like I love them regardless of whether they do jobs for me or not. But when they do carry weight, I feel so loved. And I feel like that's a lot like how Jesus is towards us. His love is steadfast. His love is never going to change for you. But when we share that love with others, when we help those in need, when we make sacrifices for others, when we step out in faith, that brings so much joy to his heart. And why would we not want to do that, to be able to give something back to him who's given everything for us? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.